Welcome to Treasure Valley Podcast. I'm your host, Chuck. Before I introduce this week's guest, I have an announcement. Treasure Valley Podcast will be featured at this year's Tree Fort, so you can come listen live. It's going to be Thursday, March 24th at 2 p.m. It's inside the Boise Center East, room 420B. I hope you had a pen handy, or you can download the Tree Fort app, and it has all that information for you. As for this week, I sit down and chat with the members of Captain Snafu. If you missed their live performance last week, give it a listen or give it a watch. Our interview brought out the fact that this young group of performers have already spent many years playing together and perfecting their craft. Enjoy our conversation. And we're rolling. Thank you for coming in, Captain Snafu. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. The trio, bass, drums, and guitar, Noble on guitar, Aaron on drums, and Jaden on bass. Yes, sir. Excellent set that you just put together. I want to talk about your third song, The Trap. Okay. That you that you played for us. It has kind of a cool vibe to it, and to me, it felt uh, the way that you guys played with the rhythm on that was unique. Oh, yeah. Where did that idea come from, and how did that song come together? Uh, That was a song I wrote. We Well, we actually had some dispute about when, when it was written, but I'm pretty sure I was in junior high, early junior high, maybe seventh or eighth grade, and uh, it was I, it was a song that started off on that C sharp minor to E major thing, and I spent a lot of time just trying to figure out what you know, what what can you rhythmically do with those two chords, you know, to make it interesting or okay. to keep to keep attention, and that funky sort of rhythm that we play through the verses is one of the one of the ideas I had, and then at the end was that more broken bump 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 bump. Yeah, and uh, I I actually think that the song started off as that riff, that that last rhythm, and then I decided to go back on it and change the feel and make it more melody based. Right on. And so, just for the people that are listening, in case they missed the video of you all playing, so Noble seventh or eighth grade is not necessarily that huge amount of time. Not difference huge, between man. most of the people that are listening sure, right now. Sure. So you all are younger mm-hmm. compared to a That's lot of the true. bands yeah. in the area, I'm guessing. Most are you? Do you frequently encounter situations where you're going and you're opening up for a band or you're playing a venue and everybody there is like 10, 15, 20 years older than you all? I'd all say the all the time. Yeah. Every single show at that point, yeah. yeah, but, yeah. Y- but you all have been doing this for a long time. It's not just that you all are talented just from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you guys have put in a ton of time oh, yeah. with that. Who lots wants to talk about that? Who wants to talk about that? Yeah, lots of background work, definitely. And not just like as the band, because, yeah, we definitely have to put in time to practice to like solidify our sound as a whole unit. But like when it comes to like practice, practice, you know, like developing our own uh, skills and, and crafting our own sound, that's the type of stuff like nobody sees whatsoever because that's your own personal time to practice. You know what I mean? So not just like, not not just like the shows that that kind of uh, uh, make us whole and and our practice, but also like our own personal practice time. There's a lot of hours and behind the scenes work that goes into just playing a three hour show that was seamlessly almost flawless to the crowd. But behind that, there's a lot of stuff that goes behind, you know, making that sound, making our, our making all the uh, m- making us basically, yeah. Uh, Aaron, how much time do you practice your your drum set every week then outside of band practice? Oh man, can't believe you're putting me on the spot. Yeah, like that. <laughs> lately, <laughs> lately, you know, I haven't been practicing as much. I would honestly say, for me personally, I'm not speaking for anybody else. Me personally, I've spent maybe 
I would say tops four hours a month behind the kit. Okay. I would say. Um, just my own personal practice time. That doesn't count like show time or anything like that. Yeah. But, but yeah, but, uh, of course, in the beginning to get to where I'm at, that took, I, I literally remember summers. I would, I would wake up, eat, go to my drum set, take my aunt's phone, put in some headphones and literally rock out hours on end from like sunrise to sunset or until my dad would be like, you need to shut up. You know what I mean? Oh, like, right on. Like, I, it would be like, I, I wouldn't want to hang out with friends. I wouldn't want to do anything. I just want to be like listening to Green Day jam out. You know what I mean? It, that was like where I was heavily like practicing a lot. And that's where it got me to at this point where I can, I can, I can rely on my skills that I developed earlier, but you know, practice, everybody should be practicing no matter what you're doing, music, engineering, whatever it is, there's always stuff that you can do to be better. You can never be 100%. Yeah. When did you start playing drums then, Aaron? Um, I think it was my eighth grade year. I, uh, I took a world percussion class. Okay. And our teacher, his name is uh, uh, David Gluck, Mr. Gluck. He was the uh, he was the teacher for that class, and he he was he was the new guy at the school, and I've I've kind of been there already for for a few years since it was a charter school. Me and Jaden actually went to the same exact school. Oh, right on. Um, okay. That's where I met. And yeah, yeah. So like we first thing like we we sat in a drum circle it was my first period, and we were just kind of like talking, and then he like brought up that he was a drummer and all this stuff, and then one day. Um, this one girl brought up like the this one song. It was like a new song at the time, Cool Kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, "All right, yeah, yeah, let me pull it up." So he like pulled up the the song, hopped behind the electric kit, uh, the electric kit, and that just like blew me away. And from that point, literally a week later, I was like, "Dad, there's a there's this fifty dollar Craigslist ad for like a drum set. Let's go get it." And next next thing you know, I'm jamming out nonstop just on a super cheap drum set. So, so I teach. I say it was like eighth grade. When I started out, yeah. So you've probably put in, have you heard that rule, the 10,000 hour rule to mm-hmm. master something? Mm-hmm. So you're you're probably estimating that you might be pretty close to that that marker? S- seven years, I don't know. I mean, if you can somehow calculate at least four hours a day for the last four years, you know, maybe. That could definitely add up 10,000 hours. Yeah, you're close then. Yeah. And uh, Jaden, same with you on the, on the base? Yeah, well, we... Uh, like he said, we started over at school together. Um, I, de- I actually started playing the saxophone my sixth grade year, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, maybe seventh grade, but... Fifth grade. Fifth grade. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Fifth grade year started with the saxophone. Aaron's uh, got his better. notes here. He's got yeah, everything. he does, right? <laughs> Time uh, sixth grade, moved into orchestra. So I was classically trained on the on the upright bass. and um, Oh, nice. I did four years with that. And freshman year came and they had this program called rock band over at idaho arts um and so aaron and i tried out and we made it this is my first time ever picking up an electric bass and uh that's where it all kind of got rolling nice uh, yeah practice too i mean i could definitely be better at practicing now i'm on my own on my own time and whatnot but i would say most of most of my practice and everything would come um, with the boys here um about twice a week we we try to do practice over at nobles or aaron's house Oh, right on. Yeah. You guys do extended practices then? If you guys are playing three hours worth of music, I suppose that's, you got to cover a lot. It's pretty, I would say it's pretty focused because um, we have, I don't even know how many, how many hours of material we have. We, it's over, over six years. We've, we've got a lot of material. And so most of our practice time is, is definitely um, focused on 
the new stuff, um, mm-hmm. our originals, stuff that just needs tightened up. Or, I mean, even looking back at songs that we haven't touched in three or four years. Nice. And so you started playing together, it would have been Noble when you were like 12 then? Yeah. Is that correct? I think it was, 12. I think it must have been right before I turned 12. Mm-hmm. I think I was still 11 when I met these guys. And uh, I, w- I had been playing out out here at uh, Destination 112. Do you remember that place? Yeah. So here in Nampa. Yeah. So there was a place that was called Destination 112. It had a, a dance area in the basement and then yeah, a yeah. bar upstairs. Yep. Yeah, so they, you're, you're 11 years old, sneaking into the destination 112. Oh to, yeah, to they, play some gigs. They had uh, they had some open jams there that I was familiar with some of the people playing there. So they would have me come come out and play a lot. And actually, Jaden's dad um, is a drummer, and he he played for a long time. Played with a lot of people around town, and uh, he would come out to these jams. And uh, so I I actually knew his dad before I knew him, and we would play a little bit together. And then uh, his dad told me that he had a son who was playing music, and then his dad told him that he had met this, well, met me, you know, playing down at Destination. So they came down, and uh, it was actually connected to Rock Bandit at Idaho Arts, wasn't it? What, the jam? Yeah, because it was all cats that also went there. It was At one point, yeah, yeah there was a... There was a school event. I remember kind of that. On. Now they just had they had musicians up there, and you could grab a instrument and then play. And just go up and, and jam, and, do yeah. whatever you I want. I think yeah. I I went one time, and I, it was a little painful to oh, sit yeah. through a lot of it. You know, sometimes it was like it was like open mic night, but sometimes that's if you what, get like if you have one person that's pretty bad, it's usually okay. But if you get like yeah. three people all at the same time, <laughs> and <laughs> yep. I was there on one of those days, and I'm like, oh, oh my yeah. goodness gracious! But anyway, yeah, those it open probably jams. wasn't you, Noble. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been. It easily could. Have been, uh, yeah. Those open jams sometimes. I mean, I think they're easily one of the most uh, valuable tools that you can you can have if you want to become a live performer, even just a uh, a a performer that you know, even if you don't do live stuff, it's it's good to have the interaction with musicians that you don't know. Just just for the reason that you know, if you can play music that you've never heard, yeah, or at least you know have the the foresight to not play when you're supposed to you know then that that'll serve you even if you're just auditioning for a band or if you're you know anything like that those open jams are really helpful and we we spend a lot of time at those just you know it's it's good for advertising too if you already have a band because you can you can go down there and mingle with other musicians that maybe are playing cooler shows than that you can talk to people who that is the coolest show they've done, you know. It's definitely just all around networking. Really. Yeah. And you definitely bring up a good point with playing with other random musicians that you yeah. would not have the opportunity to play in that that type of music or that style of music or with those people and changing your ear mm. to be able to listen to it. Right. I mean, I pl- I play some guitar. It's been a long time since I've I've played with other musicians, but it's as a as a guitarist, it's it's definitely one of, a, a tricky thing sometimes yeah. if you want to you know just like go right over the top of everybody. Oh, certainly, <laughs> yeah. Or if and learning how learning how to like lay back and be like, okay, let me just like play this riff or play right. this, these mm-hmm. these groups of chords. So you've been playing guitar for how long? Uh, uh it's it's kind of hard to say. I I play I started playing really really young, like five or six years old, and uh, but you know it was like. My dad had guitars around, so I would pick them up, and I, I actually had somewhat of an ear then, and I could pick out melodies like, you know, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star and such. Oh, like, at five? Well, yeah. Oh, wow. 
Maybe, maybe a little, maybe like six. I don't know. Actually, I don't know. It, it was when I lived um, in Hidden Springs, so I'm, I, I, I must have been four or five, actually. Okay, so um, it's some of your earlier memories is right. playing around on a guitar. Yeah, I uh, I just, I mean, I was always, you know, intrigued by melody, even even when I was that young, you know. So, uh, But I wouldn't really consider that the start of my guitar playing because I, I would play instruments whenever they were around, but, you know, I was five years old, so it didn't really sound like much. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I sort of gave it up a little bit until I was like nine. And then I decided, hey, it might be kind of cool to start actually trying to, you know, further this. Like if I start now, I might be able to do something in a few years, you know. That was sort of my thought. And then you were nine and you were thinking about making <laughs> something out of yourself. I was just like, you know, I can't play sports. You're, I can't. I'm not that smart, so guitar seems say, like a good. But you're you're definitely ahead of the curve, though. At nine years old, man. Oh, shoot. I think oh, I think you. you're you're definitely looking ahead. That's good. Yeah, but it was it was not too long after that that I started playing live actually, because, uh, well, my first live show that I actually played on stage was um, at a Mormon church for a battle of the bands when mm. I was I was ten, and uh, it was it was some friends of mine who were playing, starting to play some music. And they were older than me. I think they were like 15 and 16 at the time when I was 10. And uh, they knew that I was starting to play some like ACDC songs and stuff. So they asked me to come over. Like the day of the show was the only time we ever practiced. We went through the songs. We actually won the Battle of the Bands. As nice. a matter of fact. Yeah. So that was a pretty good live experience then oh, for yeah. you. Yeah. So you got addicted. Yo, and then yeah. you just kept going. Yeah, we were actually talking about it at the Knitting Factory because uh, one of the other guitarists from Jesse Dane and the Sagebrush Drifters was talking about getting so nervous that you puke. He he didn't that night, but he said that in the past he had. Oh, and wow. that, that show that I played at the Mormon Church, before I went up, I went in the bathroom and I was so nervous that I had to let one go. <laughs> Dang. Do you, do you guys still get nervous when you play in front of a large group? You recently did play the Knitting Factory, and yeah. was it a big crowd there? And how oh, did you, yeah. you all feel about that? Jaden, you take it. Oh, man, it was <laughs> it was, uh, it was a decent-sized crowd. I would say there's there's a good amount of people there, and um, I think I, you know, I will get nervous most times, and I think a lot of us do feel that kind of uh, the anxiety or whatever, and I mean, just being there and the fact that it was the knitting factory and now we're we're kicking off the show and um, you really got it. You want to start on a good note, right? You want to make a good impression, especially as an opener. Um, you might not have people's attention because they're they might not be there for you to begin with. They're there for yeah. the headliner or even the band right before them. So as an opener, you know, there's a lot of pressure as far as like trying to make a good impression and really get people's attention. And um so with all those thoughts in my head and everything, uh, I, I I had a lot of nerves going into the show. But I mean, even during the show, I every little flaw I was or every mistake or hiccup that we had, it was um, felt like something huge. And then we go back and we listen to recordings and watch our stage performance and our energy. And it's, I mean, it was great. Nice. Yeah, and we and we had a we had a pretty good reaction from the yeah. crowd. Yeah. Oftentimes, I think it's like like the ner- the nervousness feels like it often comes from just like are these people that I want to completely blow it in in front of you know like mm. like uh like uh like just the feeling like 
the knitting factory was really nerve wracking just for the just for the sense that uh, there was a lot of people there, and there was a lot of people there who really care about music and love you know like when the audience is somebody who's going out to see a show, it's really nerve wracking because you know if you completely dog it, then all these people who have a, you know somewhat of a opinion about music are just going to be sitting there going, well, they completely blew it, you know? You're talking in comparison to playing a bar or some yeah, other venue. Yeah, like, you them being, like, the background noise for, right. for a bar or whatever. When you're when people are actually watching, they you have their full attention, yeah. Yeah, and, it, and, and honestly, it doesn't even always have to do with, like, the size of the crowd. If it's, like, like if it's, like, 100 people who don't seem like they really care, you know, mm-hmm. it's, like, not that nerve-wracking. But when there's, like, three people there and... They're all like other musicians or something, you know. Yeah, that's when you get really nervous. Like, that makes sense. So, what do you all? What is your advice for people that do get nervous? Because that is a normal fear for most people to get in front of someone and just say something. To talk in front of a group of people is, I think they say it's more common to be more anxious than that than dying. Mm. You know. Mm. So obviously, you three have done an excellent job of pushing yourself out of that comfort zone at a young age because yeah. you all have been doing it for so long. Yeah. So what do you recommend people do to get over that? I mean, me personally, I feel like it's um, really just coming to this this um, consensus that it's not the end of the world if you get up there. I, I've Personally, I've gone up on stage and um, it might not be a huge crowd, but it's enough to where if I mess up, it hurts, you know. It makes, mm-hmm. and then, and do you feel like, oh my gosh, it's the end of the world that people they they all know, um, and then you get done, and people are like, you did so good up there, you know, good job, because everybody knows too how how hard it is to get up on stage, or I would say most people acknowledge that fact. So when you're up there and you're you're doing your best and you're doing everything you can, it's all about growth and and pushing yourself to your limits and being uncomfortable. You know, that's what stimulates growth. Kind of tagging on to that growth, it really is just like repetition. Because if you think about it, if you would have asked me that exact same question like five years ago, I would have been like, "Man, I don't know. I still get nervous to this day." But yeah. it is just repetition because it's it's a matter of because let's say five years ago, that wouldn't have been my comfort zone. That was that was me being outside of my comfort zone, stepping up on stage and playing for people. Mm-hmm. I would get nervous. Nowadays, it's it's a little bit different. You know, I'm I'm, I'm used to that now. I'm I'm now in my comfort zone. So it really isn't just about like, oh, take these three steps before going up on stage or doing yeah. this to feel better. No, it, it is just repetition and getting out of your comfort zone to build a new comfort zone to eventually go out of your comfort zone again. And yeah. that's how you grow. That's exactly what, what Jane was saying as far as growth goes. What's your next, what's your next comfort zone breaching? 10,000 people. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would say my, my thing... It, it, back to the advice for people who are nervous i think nervousness could also be looked at as a level of how much you care about what you're doing like if because you know like like when you're getting really nervous it's because you care about the like the art you're creating or or the environment that you're trying to create and so you're nervous that it's not going to be what you're hoping it's going to be you know and i would just say like advice wise if you're nervous, it means that you you care about the the structure of what whatever you're about to do. So, it, I think the advice would be care like focus more on the 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 powerful outcome that it could have if it goes completely right. 
you know yeah like, like like put your put your care and your and your worries into you know how how can i make this go as well as possible rather than thinking about all the horrible stuff that can happen optimistic you know? outlook yeah and focus on what's going well i like that and you all i would imagine to help calm those nerves it sounds like you all practice quite a bit so you're yeah. definitely have the the repetitions in before you get on stage oh yeah to where hopefully you can kind of yeah. like shut your mind off and do a little bit of that automatic right mm-hmm. going through everything so that you're not thinking too much top down right yeah. which i was going to ask you all um i was going to ask you all about flow but first did, did uh, anyone i want to know about your comfort zone extending thing besides ten thousand people you guys like <laughs> have like other obviously that's a big big goal <laughs> yeah yeah but what's what's next I don't know. I'm. I feel like opening for a band that I really care about would be definitely outside of my comfort zone. Like, yeah. like if there's a band there that I like am listening to or care about their their craft or th- pay attention to their albums or something, that that would be very much out of my comfort zone. Right on. Because I'd feel so uncomfortable. Just you know, com- it's almost you know when you open for someone, it there is some compare and contrast when when it comes to music. Like you, you just your brain naturally does that. And so, like, opening for someone that you desperately want to have good feelings about your art, you know, that would be that'd be horrifying for I me. I think I could agree with that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense. Do you all push each other musically, too, when you're playing together? Yeah, How I would say so. I mean, I mean, for example, I think uh, Noble's a very forward and intricate um, writer. So, I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of the music that he does write um, and come up with it's not necessarily something that we were ever playing before, right? And and we have our own. We kind of you come can't together sit, to you make can't our just own. Sit style. on the bass and kind of like hang in those those pocket notes and yeah, I mean roll. we could, but it's like about I guess pushing each other to to form this this cool sound that isn't basic or or like everybody else's, mm-hmm. um, but also is like tasteful. Yeah, yeah. Not just trying to push it to the extreme and turn it into noise. Is yeah, that kind of like some, something <laughs> something abstract that somebody would really have to sit back for for hours and listen on end and um, try to understand. It's it's something that should be appealing to the ear right away, right? But, yeah, and it could be super super simple. Like we've got songs that are so simple, but you're just like, oh, I mean, I would never would have thought even just to throw that one lick in or whatever it is. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say I would say. These guys push me a lot too. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I, I I guess it's sort of hard to measure how much this band has been an influence on our playing, but I do know that as long as I've known these guys, like it's been like exponential um, in their skill level. Like, like every every time we have a new song, it feels like we've upped our like you know audio production value, like the the, the actual compositions. And um, the thought put into what is what is going to work best for the song, you know, and uh, I think I think just having our three minds uh, on the same page about wanting to make music has helped our helped our playing and our thoughts towards music, you know, because I feel like also they they have a uh, a sort of a different musical background than me when it comes to like playing and uh and uh i think i think we learn a lot from each other just because of 
the different ways we approach music. How's that difference in musical background? What is that? So mean? it's like definitely what I think he means is like he like like it's more like for Noble, it's more like rock and roll, country stuff, type of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. That 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 cool stuff. Um, and we all kind of like grew up. Well, well, everybody's different, you know. I mean, we all have different backgrounds and like parents that listen to different music. We all grew up listening to different music, and we all grew up, I guess, l- practicing and playing that kind of music. You know what I mean? Or like yeah. dreaming about playing that someday. So like, when we all come together to make one sound, we have unique differences. Um, that 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 has that has different like uh, tastes from different music styles and all that oh, stuff. Cool. So like to bring that one sound together, that's where we kind of get like our like our different sounds and like and grooves and feels and all that stuff uh what will eventually kind of like come together and we can get ideas um from let's say something that noble plays i'll translate it to like my drum fills or something like that to kind of go with that Mm -hmm. or if Jaden plays something crazy or vice versa whatever it is all of our playing styles um integrated into one basically to create this sound you know so, like, we kind of inspire each other with our backgrounds in that sense. That's awesome. I think you were, I was arguing with my brother about your, your guys' music because I, <laughs> I got, like, a 90s vibe out of it. Yeah, He's like, no, yeah. it was definitely 70s. Yeah. It's like, well, obviously you guys are pulling from a lot of different areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. and maybe maybe what I was hearing uh, was more of the, the, the cording that you guys were doing along with the, the background music, and maybe he was hearing more of, like, the, the way that you play your guitar solos and your mm-hmm. licks over the top you know that might be it, true, yeah. it could be a different juxta- juxtaposition yeah. there but so noble you're into rock and country music mostly and uh yeah well i i listen to anything that that i that you know that that interests me it, it's uh it's it's less like I, I i don't look for style like like or genre more it's more like uh i don't know it's it's hard to say but my I'm definitely more intri- intrigued by uh melody and and uh clever chord changes and such which, which can be found all over I listen to a lot of jazz because the chords and jazz work in ways that you know you couldn't even begin to ex- explain a lot of the time and uh but you know one of my favorite bands ever is the Mamas and the Papas just because the the way they approach melody is insane like they they'll create a melody out of two separate melodies and just like the harmonies like they're they're two separate melodies that work as harmonies yeah. but the way your ear hears it is you'll hear a line that's ascending down and it'll be two different singers but it'll sound like the main melody just because of the way they approached how the harmonies work you know if that makes any sense and but uh yeah but what going back to uh the uh the differences in in musical history, I I wasn't as much talking about genre differences, but actual um, like playing of music because uh, okay. I I my my uh, my background in music is always well you know I, I I started playing live at ten, which was like a year after I really decided I wanted to play guitar. So the majority of the way I think of music is in a jam setting, you know, like oh, okay. what what can I do differently than last time or what can I um how can I improve this song from from the point of view of uh you know, like like it's the first time we're playing it or something. And uh 
when well actually when we first started our songs were very methodical and we would play them relatively the exact same way every time we played them mm-hmm. but um recently it's been our, our goal for for practice has been have the structure but also leave room for um whatever whatever else we feel like give give room in in the in the changes or or um give room in the melody that we can change it whenever we play it you know and okay. it like like it's not like i don't know i feel like a lot of what people think of as a jam band is is that um you have you have the lyrics or you have the chords and then you just sort of you know you just play whatever you feel um but ours comes from more from uh i mean every, every time we play a, a song it's different but the structure is the same every time you know yeah. you uh, like you can tell what song it is and there's right. no question about it but, but we, the flavor yeah. or or whatever you're, we're trying to accomplish is different every every time so you guys give yourselves some room to play with within the structure of the song itself yeah. kind of thing yeah. so that yeah. you're not so it is a different experience every time somebody comes to see you play the show live yeah. potentially that's cool that's we could, we could play yeah. the same set back to back nights same crowd and they're they won't get the same show yeah that's awesome we've i've, I've seen fish live twice. oh yeah so i was obsessed with fish when i was in high yeah. school and college Fish is fish is a good example of a jam band that um that would just go all over the place with mm-hmm. with their uh um like with with solos and stuff because every every member is actively pushing what what the sound is going to be, you know. Yeah. And uh I I mean I'm not I'm not super well versed on Fish's practicing habits, but um uh, I think I think it's 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 approached more in the the feel way with that it's their you know they have they have the idea of the song and then maybe a chord will stay the same for a few or a, a, a lot of bars or something and uh you know everybody's just free range to do what they feel and we try to incorporate that just like when we go to a solo we we never have a set you know length of the solo mm-hmm. and we also never have a set feel of the solo it'll will but we'll know there's a solo there, you know. Okay. That that's and basically. So you guys are listening to each other and taking cues and kind of deciding where it needs to go. And yeah. Right. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love that. And so that I was actually going to ask you guys about flow. How often are you familiar with the state of flow, where like time doesn't really pass? You're like totally focused in on your instrument and like. Oh yeah. yeah. How often do you guys experience that as like a a trio, where you're you're playing together and like everything's snapping? Um. I don't know. I th- I think I think pretty often uh for example at the knitting factory uh we had a 30 minute set and uh we had written a 45 minute set cuz we we weren't sure what the time was until a day before but um we we got like two or three songs into our regular set and then then we decided to change it a little bit and then and then we looked at the clock and our set was up. It was like <laughs> yeah. it was like we were so we were so, awesome. we were just so worried about playing these songs that we 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 sped right through the whole set. Like um I, I think that that might be a good example of when we felt so in the zone that time sort of, sort of seemed to escape and then it was just over, you know. Mm-hmm. Right on. 
Well, that's good. Do you guys have any gigs coming up? This is going to air in a couple weeks. Do you guys, what's your, your March looking like? End of February. Ooh, end of February, we, uh, well, we, we have two back-to-back nights at the Casino Club in Stanley on the 18th and the 19th, I believe. Now, 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 the, now I'm yeah, going yeah. back on that. That it's, might not be true. a couple weeks from now. I think it's the 18th and the 19th. How do people it's follow you to get your information on your shows then? Instagram? Yeah. Captain we, Snafu? That's right. Yep, that's it. We have the Instagram that's Captain Snafu. We also have a Facebook that's also Captain Snafu. So. Okay, you guys post all your events on there too? So yeah, yeah, check yeah. Do you our out. best. <laughs> we right on. try, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or just listen for the awesome 70s or 90s influence music or all the different influences yeah, yeah. in your just music. Keep, yeah. An amalgam of three people coming up with... Music with all the influences. We tr- yeah. Well, uh, I don't know. We might be giving ourselves a little too much credit there. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about it. it. Sounds great, guys. Awesome. Well, so you. Captain Snafu on Facebook, Instagram. I'll That's definitely right. be following you. I already do. But looking forward to hearing you guys keep playing. Sweet. Thanks for having us, yeah, man. This man. has been great. Ah, thank you. Thank you for listening to Treasure Valley Podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, be sure to come see us live at this year's Tree Fort and... As always, tell someone you know about it.